0: Uh, and so tonight we are wrapping up a series that we've been in the whole month of May called Simple Gospel. And, and this whole series has, the, the whole idea behind this series has been to simplify the gospel. You know, we spend so much time digging deep into the gospel and talking about the deeper meanings and diff- uh, the deeper applications of the gospel and how it relates to our lives that sometimes we lose the simplicity of the gospel. Sometimes we lose our appreciation for the simplicity of the gospel. And so the whole idea of this has been to simplify the gospel so that we are equipped to share the gospel with others. After all, that is our calling as Christians in Matthew 28 that Jesus gives us is to go and make disciples and to teach all that Jesus has commanded. And we cannot teach others if we first don't learn it Ourselves so that is what we're doing. We are looking at the four main key aspects of our faith And so we started out the first week by talking about creation and we talked about how God simply Created God created the entire universe as we know it He created the trees the plants the fish the birds, but most importantly, I think he created you and he created me but we discovered that while he created everything, including us, there's a big difference in how he created us versus all other creation, and that is that he created us uniquely in his image. You are created in the image of God. And we also talked about how because God created, that gives God total authority over creation and over us, and how because he is in authority, that does not give us the right to change how he Has designed things Then we took things a step further the next week and we talked about the fall of man And the fall of man really centered around the the fateful decision that Adam and Eve made together How they were tempted by the serpent and how they made the decision to eat from the tree that God had commanded them not to eat from and because of this because they decided to disobey God God removed them from the Garden of Eden and because of their sin, because of their disobedience, that caused there to be separation between God and between man. We, became, we came to understand that sin is deceptive. Sin looks good. Sin is appealing, but it's deceptive. And we learned that sin overpromises and under-delivers. Catch that again. Sin over-promises and under-delivers. And because of our sin and because uh, of the separation that our sin causes between us and God, we talked about and learned that we are in need of a Savior. We are in need of someone to bring us back to God, to close the gap. And we talked about how God, how Jesus is the person who closes that gap. And so tonight we're going to wrap up this series and we're going to talk about really the two biggest, in my opinion, aspects of our faith. And without these aspects, really without any of these aspects, our our faith isn't able to stand. And these two aspects, these two key, huge aspects we're going to talk about tonight are the crucifixion of Christ and the resurrection of Jesus. And so I hope that you'll take notes tonight. I hope that you'll be open to receive the Word of God tonight and the words that He has for you. And I know that over the course of the past several weeks, the past several months, we've talked about the crucifixion and resurrection multiple times. We just talked about it in our I believe series went right around the Easter time frame. We talked specifically about the crucifixion and resurrection. And we also talked about it at Diver tree and, and how the implications it has for uh, forgiveness. And I know that this may be a redundant topic to you, but I hope that you'll listen with fresh ears. And look at the text with fresh eyes because out of all Scripture, I think we as Christians need to understand the significance of the crucifixion and the significance of the resurrection because these two things are what enables us to have a relationship with God. These two things are what enables us to have eternal life. Without these two things, we are not able to live in relationship and communion with Christ. And so I hope that you'll listen and take this in As we try to simplify, as best we can, the resurrection and the crucifixion. But tonight, I want us to focus on something a little different. Something maybe you haven't focused on as much when we've talked about the crucifixion and resurrection. Tonight, I want us to focus on three words. Three words that Jesus spoke as he's hanging on the cross. And if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. And as we listen to the words of Jesus and we focus on these three words, I want us to focus on the implications that these three words have specifically for the crucifixion and resurrection. Here we go. John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, and they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. I want you to look back at verse 30 here, because I don't want you to miss these three powerful words that Jesus says. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. You now, if we were reading this in Greek, the word that we would be reading there for it is finished is tetelestai. So there you have it, your free Greek lesson of the night. You've now learned one word in Greek, tetelestai. And as Jesus is hanging on the cross, he says that word tetelestai, and it translates directly into English as it is finished and and these three words while so simple bear so much importance and significance in our lives and i want us to first look at what does tetelestai mean for the cross how does it relate to the cross and before i i think we can begin to understand the significance that those three words it is finished mean for the crucifixion and for our lives through the crucifixion i think we first need to understand The importance and significance of what Christ did on the cross and if we look at uh, the book of Romans flip a couple books over Romans chapter 5 verse 8 we're going to begin to see the significance of what Christ did on the cross it said but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners I want to give you one more verse in the book of Luke, chapter 23, verse 34, listen to this and pair it with what we just read. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. So God showed his love for us while we were still sinners by sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And Jesus, while he's hanging there, says, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. If we look, farther in the New Testament, in the book of First John chapter one verse 9, it says that if we confess our sins to God, then he will forgive us. So the significance of Jesus hanging on that cross means that he was that sacrifice. In that final moment of his life, he took our sins so that we could be free. He offered us forgiveness. God showed us his love. See, Jesus dying on the cross was all about forgiveness. had nothing to do with us. It had everything to do with his love. had nothing to do with anything we had done. We didn't deserve Christ's sacrifice. We didn't deserve his forgiveness or his love. But because God loved us, he sent his son to die on the cross, as John 3.16 says, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could experience that relationship with him. So that all we have to do is call upon the name of the Lord. All we have to do is confess our sins in order to be forgiven. So again, what do the words, it is finished, have to do with the crucifixion? And how does it relate to us through what Jesus did on the cross? Now, I think if we look at... uh, life before Jesus was on the cross and life after Jesus died on the cross, there's a really big difference in how people were forgiven and how people experienced the forgiveness of God. Now, as we look throughout the Old Testament, we see that people had to sacrifice different things in order to experience the forgiveness of God. If we look specifically in the book of Leviticus, there are pages upon pages of rules and hoops that people had to jump through in order to experience the forgiveness of God. And I was reading over some of those today. And for instance, if you sinned, uh, you might have to bring a sheep without any blemishes, a, a perfect white sheep, and sacrifice it for your sins. Or a young goat. Or you might have to bring different spices, or you name it. There, there, it, it just The list goes on and on and on about the different things you had to do for each specific sin. And you had to take your offering To the priest and the priest had to do certain things and sacrificing All the things to god And so it wasn't that the people weren't just able to confess their sins and be forgiven They had to jump through all these hoops. They had to earn The forgiveness of god That's a big difference between being able to confess our sins and being forgiven You see we don't have to jump through all those hoops You don't have to earn the forgiveness of god All you have to do because of what Jesus did on the cross is confess your sin. The work is finished. Jesus finished the work on the cross. And for us, that's significant. It is finished. The work is finished. The sacrifice is finished. All you have to do is confess your sin and believe in Christ and be forgiven. You don't have to earn anything. You know, I can think back to when I was in 8th uh, and ninth grade and when I was really at a point in my life when I was struggling with Christ. And even as I began to know the Lord, I still felt this need to prove myself to God. To earn God's forgiveness. I felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt like the sin in my life was so bad that there was no way God could forgive me unless I worked for it. Unless I worked for it and earned it. Unless I lived a good enough life to earn Christ's forgiveness. But unfortunately, or, or I should say fortunately, I was very mistaken. I was very mistaken in how God's forgiveness works. If I was living in the Old Testament, yeah, absolutely, I'd have to work for that forgiveness. But thank God that Jesus died on the cross so that I don't have to earn anything. I was talking with a, a good friend a couple of days ago and he has been uh, deployed in the air force for several years and he's living up in arkansas now he was deployed over to uh, the middle east uh, in the air force and uh, he just reached out he saw the devotion that we had done on on monday on our instagram feed and just reached out and said thank you for that message and how it just spoke to him and we began talking and ended up talking on the phone for probably close to an hour and a half or two hours. And he said, Nathan, I I just struggle right now. I'm trying to relight my flame for Christ. But I feel like one of the biggest things that's preventing me is I feel like I need to earn my way back to Christ. I feel like I need to prove myself to God that I'm sorry. I feel like I need to prove myself to God that I'm different. I, I feel like I need to prove myself to God so that I can earn his forgiveness. And I just told him, I said, look, you... You don't have to do any of that. Even though you've turned your back to God, God has never stopped loving you. God has never stopped pursuing you. Jesus loves you for who you are. He doesn't necessarily like the things that you've done. He doesn't necessarily like that you've turned His back to Him. But He's willing to forgive you because He has already done the work. You know, we we have grown up our entire lives... Being told that if we want something we have to work for it if you want a good grade in a class you have to work for it if you want money you have to work for it if you want anything in life you have to work for it and so when we hear that the forgiveness of God is free to those who are in relationship with him sometimes we struggle with that because it doesn't necessarily align with how things on earth work but Jesus and his love is not of this world Jesus's love is perfect. His forgiveness is perfect. And while we may have to earn each other's forgiveness sometimes, and the the forgiveness you may have to earn from a friend might be difficult, you don't have to earn the forgiveness of God. That work has already been completed through what Jesus did on the cross. It is finished. And while those words are the words that Jesus spoke on the cross while he was hanging on the cross, I think that those words also relate to the resurrection of Christ. When we uh, look throughout the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we can read the resurrection story, we can read the story of Christ's crucifixion. But if we look in Luke 24, we see uh, a very unique angle of the resurrection story, and we see that Uh, These women are running to the tomb. Mary is running to the tomb to go uh, take care of Jesus' body. It's three days after Jesus has been buried. And when the women get to the tomb, they find these angels sitting there. And they ask, you know, what have you done with Jesus' body? And they say, Jesus has risen from the dead. He is alive. Don't be afraid. He's done exactly what he said he would do. Don't you remember that he said that he had to be turned over to the people who hated him to be crucified. But on the third day, he would rise from the dead. Hallelujah. So Jesus did exactly what he said he would do. If we flip again to Romans chapter 6, we begin to see the significance of this and what Jesus did through his resurrection. If we look at Romans 6, verse 5 through 11, we're going to understand this together. It says, since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, We know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead, and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin. And alive to God through Christ Jesus. So we see here that through Christ's death and resurrection, he defeated death. He defeated sin. He's no longer bound. Death no longer has any power over him from the moment he raised from the dead. It holds no power. If we also look in John 3, verse 16. It says that God loved the world so much that he sent his son so that those who believe in him wouldn't perish but catch this, but that they would have eternal life. And that's what Romans chapter 6, 5 through 11 is saying is that because we believe in Christ, we have shared in his crucifixion, but we have also shared in his resurrection. And because we are believers in Christ, we are no longer slaves to sin. We no longer are bound by sin. We are no longer bound by shame. We are no longer bound by regret. You are free. You are free to live for Christ. See, it is finished. Sin is finished. Death is finished. And their power over you is finished. What Jesus did through the grave is so powerful. And it's so powerful for us in our lives. And it's so important to us as believers because it is what gives us hope to know that when we die, we will be able to rise again with Christ and experience eternal life. And as John three sixteen says, all you have to do is believe. All you have to do is have faith. All you have to do is hand over control of your life to God. Because when you hand over control of your life to God, sin no longer has power over you. Death no longer has power over you. You may be tempted, but you can overcome because you are free. You are no longer bound. It is finished. Sin no longer has that power. Sin is finished. And death is finished. You know, I hope during this uh, past Memorial Day weekend that you were able to take time with your friends and family and just enjoy the weekend. But really, I hope that you were able to reflect on why Memorial Day exists. You know, Memorial Day exists... To honor those who have lost their lives fighting for our freedom. Memorial Day exists to honor the families who have lost loved ones on our behalf. And as Christians, we recognize that these men and women who have lost their lives for us have loved us just as Christ has loved us. You know, Christ died and rose again. So that you could be free. He died and rose again so that you could be free. So that you no longer had to be bound to sin. So that you no longer had to work for your forgiveness. But that you could live in freedom. And I want you to hear these words. That Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And Jesus doesn't want you to be controlled By your past. Jesus doesn't want you to be controlled by your shame or by your regret or by your sin. He wants you to live in the freedom that he died so that you could experience. Let let go of the chains. Walk in relationship with Christ and walk in the freedom that he died so you could experience. He wants you to have a relationship with him. And he wants you to experience eternity with him. Now we see this desire of Christ in uh, the Gospel of Luke chapter 23. Specifically in verses 42 through 43. And here again we see the crucifixion story as as Jesus is hanging on the cross. One of the criminals hanging next to him. One One of them mocks him and says, if you're really God, get off the cross. But the other one says, don't you understand who you're talking to? You're talking to the Son of God. And that criminal who understood who Jesus was said, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. I'm sorry for what I did. And Jesus shows his desire for all of us in what he says next. He says, surely you will be with me in paradise. And Jesus wants you to be in paradise with him. And Jesus has made his decision. Jesus has decided that he wants you. Jesus has decided that he wants a relationship with you. Jesus has decided that he wants you in paradise with him. And he made that possible by dying on the cross for you. He made that possible through his resurrection from the dead. So really, the choice is yours. Do you want to be in paradise with Christ? And some of you have made that decision and said, yes, Lord, I I want to be in paradise with you. I want to live in the freedom that you paid for. I want to live in relationship with you. Maybe some of you haven't made that decision. Maybe some of you are ready to make the best decision of your life tonight. And if that's you, if you're ready to make the best decision that you've ever made. If you're ready to say, God, I give you control of my life. I surrender all that I have to you. If that's you, I, I hope that you'll pray the prayer that we're about to pray with me. And even if you have accepted Christ. As your Lord and Savior, I hope that you'll pray this prayer with me as well as a reminder of the commitment that you've made to Christ. And if you're praying tonight to accept Jesus into your heart and into your life for the first time, I hope that as we go into small groups after we pray that you'll let your small group leader know because we want to celebrate this decision with you. We want to celebrate with you and we want to walk through life with you as you begin your new relationship with Christ. So make sure you let your small group leader know in small groups if you're praying this for the first time. So let's all bow our heads and let's pray this together. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for your sacrifice and for defeating death so that I could be forgiven, and so that I could spend eternity with you. Thank you for desiring to have a relationship with me. Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I haven't loved you with my whole heart. I'm sorry that I've turned my back to you. I'm sorry that I haven't been obedient to you. And Jesus, I ask that you would please forgive me of my sin. And Jesus, I ask that you would help me live my life in obedience to you jesus i love you and i thank you for what you did on the cross i thank you that you rose from the dead and that we can be in relationship together it's in the powerful name of jesus that we pray amen hey everyone this is nathan sell the youth pastor at Destin united methodist church i want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast My prayer is that the Lord would use this podcast as an opportunity to speak life into you. I hope all of you know the love that the Lord has for you and that you are experiencing His blessings each and every day. God bless you, and thank you for listening.